how magical that that path should cross. Get your facts straight. Who wants to get funky tonight? I think the shit's about to hit the fan. Ladies and gentlemen, Ding dong, heck, my doodle hell is that? Ask me if I give a shit. You have stupid names for all your shit. Alright everybody, welcome to another edition of the Silver Emulsion Podcast. My name is Will, and uh, with me today is uh, Stephen. Back again for, what is this, four or five? Shit, I don't know, round, round, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's round pie, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably pretty close. <laughs> In the ballpark. All right, so today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Clive Barker's uh, first movie, um, 1987's Hellraiser. Uh, but first, we have a feedback. Um, Nick, uh, reader of the site Nick, uh, wrote back in uh, about the, I guess you could call it a review. Yeah, the, uh, the light commentary on the yeah. short film. Yeah, we did on his movie. Um and so Nick says, really appreciate the WK review. When I first <laughs> read that, I thought it was me. I thought, oh, the Will Kauf review. Like, <laughs> is that like a thing? It, it is now. And, but, but it is. But but then then I realized white knuckles. Well, oh, there you <laughs> See, may, maybe that's why he was sending us that, may, that may, movie. Yeah, may, maybe. It, it matches your initials there. It's possible. But anyway. He really appreciated the uh, the white knuckle review. Brothers uh, didn't mean to be too cryptic with the comment and the link. I don't know that it was cryptic. I just yeah, it was it was just fun to pretend it was cryptic. Yeah, it was just uh, you know gonna make good radio. Yeah, <laughs> or sh- or shitty radio. <laughs> Either you be way, the judge. We're, um, we're making it, whichever it is. <laughs> So anyway, he says, uh, he really enjoyed hearing your guys' reactions and interpretation of uh, that beast of a short movie. Stephen's ghostly interpretation was really cool. And in earlier edits, there was definitely even more of a ghostly vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a tough movie for me to watch since all I notice are all the flaws. Uh, I worked on editing it. Uh, off and on since 2004. Shit. Wow. And man, this fucking Kubrick over here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We filmed it in only two days and sequentially, and you might notice that at the end of the credits, there was a shout out as to the whereabouts of the two actors. Well, I'm happy to say that we found Brandon, my friend recently, However, the clean-shaven guy is missing currently, or in hiding, I hope. Oh. See, I, I I saw that at the end of the credits. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. There was like some... 
Yeah, like, we where were... are they now? Like, I thought that was just a <laughs> thing of like they got killed, but like, where are they now? Like, some <laughs> existential question. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, probably some inside joke I don't understand. <laughs> It'll be fine. But maybe it, it they really went missing. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> they, I don't know. Uh, the times we filmed the movie was a very stressful time. We were going full gung-ho about filmmaking that year. Anyways, love your guys' uh, enthusiasm for cinema of all kinds. Maybe uh, you'd be curious about the WK remake we made in film school here in the frozen north. Brr. <laughs> and then there's uh, another cryptic link to a Vimeo website. Uh, and then he, he says that uh, there's better acting, cinematography, and not as lengthy. And then he left a second comment that said, P.S. Oh, uh, I caught Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in hell last week. Bravo on the movie lead. Your critiques were reminding me of the white knuckle experience and all of its low budget gory glory. That flying blue head, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's comments from Nick. All right. Now, we watched the remake. Yeah, it was uh, quick enough yeah, to the, slip the, it in before the... The four-minute remake. Yeah. Um, You know, and there's not... I don't know that there's much to say. It pretty much is just a short version yeah, it's kinda, of the it's same the, thing. The same story kind of tightened down a bit less of the gore. Yeah, no it gore was, at all. Yeah, 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 it was actually... Yeah, kind of got took that up, kind of put that into the background to be the mysterious part. Yeah, it became um, more of the a thriller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm kind of more partial to seeing the madness myself, but yeah, no, I would like to see the gore as well. I mean, I get it. I yeah, get it. it. It's know, a style. It's, it's a, a it's a stylistic choice. It's yeah. art school or film school, so you're you know yeah. going to be artful about it. <laughs> no gore in film school. <laughs> gonna make the uh the the slasher film without any gore there you yeah. go that'll be just to break the mold i guess yeah but i i gotta say acting i would say is better you know cinematography better yet all these things were definitely better but at the same right. time i probably prefer the old one um just uh you know just just for michelangelo i mean <laughs> nothing else for michelangelo for sure yeah we needed michelangelo in there to... i yeah i really wanted to see him come back in the remake i i mean i get why you wouldn't but yeah it's, uh... i don't know it, it was <laughs> it was kind of a missing element for me yeah, no kiss <laughs> staring at you no no it, see there was the charm of of that that kind of uh it felt like um, like oh we decided to make a movie and this is our room or whatever so we're just going right. to shoot a movie and yeah. so I like that about it whereas the other one um, seems a little bit more like we're going to remake this and we're going to try to like make it more serious and, and right. you know nothing on the walls <laughs> yeah and so, so it's a little more calculated yeah yeah it was a and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's no just... it's not but in terms of uh 
my enjoyment. Yeah, and just the amusement of yeah, uh, what yeah. was going on. The kiss was very amusing. And, yeah, for and sure. Michelangelo was very amusing. So right. <laughs> so anyway, but I mean, you know, good job. It, it, it was a, a faithful adaptation. <laughs> There was something that Nick commented that his his comment that he he can't watch it he sees all of the flaws in it kind of yes. reminded me of something um, John Borman had said okay. that of like his movies and stuff when it was like Excalibur is the one yeah I'm thinking of. he said that was like the only movie of his that he actually could watch that every other movie he'd ever made it was like he just got fed, he would just start start seeing the flaws that he wanted huh. to fix and huh. but that the Excalibur one the the Arthurian legend was so. Just the original story is so powerful that it actually he could actually get swept up in it oh, and okay. not notice all of his flaws in huh. his own retelling of it. So it was kind of just an interesting. Uh, so you're you're not alone there, Nick. You've got other other directors feel the same. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, th- I feel like that's a common thing, uh, as specifically in film, but but yeah, I think probably in all yeah, creative I think arts, of, there there's some feeling there of uh, older things that being flawed that you kind of just wish you could fix I yeah know, uh, well like as an artist theoretically over time you would grow and you would you know necessarily not be better but you would right. evolve or change or something and then you look back at something that you did you know in the past mm-hmm. and uh want to george lucas it or something you know <laughs> yeah i mean you, you know yeah i'm thinking of uh my brother who actually went to art school and was drawing and stuff and he would like look at his stuff from like high school or his early college days and be like oh this is horrible this is crap but then it's like you go back to like when he was five and then it's suddenly like this is something special now now it's like now it's not now it's not crap now it's so old that it's actually amazing but (laughs) (laughs) that's when we didn't expect anything out of you (laughs) yeah but yeah i'm also thinking um Osamu Tezuka uh, kind of had that too, where okay. some of his earliest, I think Metropolis was one of his earliest works. And, and that's a comic? Yeah, he he did that as a manga originally, and he never allowed it to be turned into an anime because he thought it was shit. Okay. And he was like, no, just like, and lots of his stuff, I mean, it's not like there was a shortage of things to adapt from him, but yeah. And then, like, at some point after his death, they actually did make uh, a movie of Metropolis. Okay, I was going to ask you if that was the same Metropolis. Yeah, so that's the same. Some, like, they, after his death, uh, whoever wound up eventually doing, actually, I think that's a Rintaro film, actually. I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in ages. I saw that, yeah, like, when it first came to DVD, I I was intrigued, and I watched it, and I thought it was great, so. Yeah, it was, uh, and that one definitely changed, like, they actually merged it with a lot of other things he had done. So it's not a straight adaptation of it. There's like a a bunch of characters, but at the same time, that's a very Tezuka thing to do. Like most of his stories have like other characters from his other stories that have no relation to things, but they're just in there. He's the blackjack guy. Yeah. He did did blackjack. Um, did, uh, Kimba the White Lion. Yeah, that's like those those early movies that you reviewed where it had all yeah. the all those characters like parading through right, throughout right. the whole he movie. Would, he would do that in his works a lot and so it's it's very much in line with what Tezuka would do to just throw his entire cast of randomness in there. And so <laughs> that's cool. So a lot of his characters I actually kind of got introduced to from that movie because that was kind of Oh, there those the old characters are in some the, of them, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, like um 
Ban Shunsaku is like this. Ooh. Yeah, he's like this kind of detective guy that's in a lot of Tezuka stuff, and he's in the Metropolis movie. Um, there was this uh, guy with sunglasses and a gun who was all like cold and badass. And uh-huh. He was he's a character that's been around in Tezuka stuff before. So. Oh, that's cool. So they were just grabbing these other characters that would often make cameos wow. in his other movies anyway. I like it. And so yeah, it kind of it fit well with uh keeping true to me and at the same time it feels nothing like a tezuka film because Uh tezuka's style is just so distinctive that it's it's kind of obvious sometimes like even the ones that he does that are different i kind of was kind of like yeah this is totally tezuka i can totally see Uh this as as uniquely him the ones that he directed yeah it's kind of or was like yeah creatively involved yeah i've never been entirely sure how he was involved with things, but I know he was like in charge. This was his yeah. stuff and he was dictating pretty much. So I'm pretty sure he, he, he was effectively the director, even if someone else was directing it. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure he was heavily involved in the adaptations of his works. Okay. And I think it's Mushi studio is Mushi, the, Mushi, Mushi. Yes. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the studio he found the animation studio okay. he founded. And that did like, tons of his adaptations of his own stuff are they still around doing stuff um i don't know if they're still around i think they i think they might not be around anymore Hmm. i'd have to look into that on the history of that but because i don't see any stuff of theirs that's not really like classic anime stuff okay so i think they're not around anymore doing stuff Hmm. or they've been folded into something else yeah those they've been broken up and the guys went to form a new studio or something right right but it was kind of a i think it was one of the major animation studios before ghibli came around oh it's kind of like in that 50s yeah 70s era was kind of when they were doing a lot of stuff but i think it kind of i think it did kind of go out of business or something it's not around anymore yeah, like the we'll the to, ones that you reviewed, those, those, oh yeah, the twenty four hour TV specials. Yeah, yeah like were, what? Those were like late seventies. Um, yeah, I think about, they started yeah. about like seventy nine, and they kind of went into maybe the mid eighties, and I think that's kind of the later era of yeah stuff like that. Okay, but I know I I watched the I I watched the first three. Oh, okay. And then uh, when Anime Souls died, right before they died, I I downloaded a bunch of stuff. Mm. So I have the other ones on oh, the computer. Cool. So at some point I'll watch them. But yeah, I uh, don't remember which ones I saw. I saw the the first one, Bander Book. Yeah. Then Undersea Marine. Uh, yeah. Thing uh, and then the Marine Express. Yeah, Marine Express. <laughs> Marine <laughs> yeah, Express. I love yeah. that part. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, and I don't remember what the other one was. Oh, what would the other one have been? Oh, crap, I can't remember. I was going chronologically as I as I yeah, like to do. So to whatever that one was, I don't know. Oh, it wasn't Fumoon, was it? I think that was one of the later Fuck, ones. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't remember. God, yeah, I can't remember what I don't order think they went so. In. I don't think that was it. Anyway, so it was doesn't really Fumoon, matter. There was but. Prime Rose. Oh, I know it's not Prime Rose and yeah, Baggy. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I know yeah, I have okay, those. So I don't remember what the other crap, one is. What was the? There was one other one then, and I'm not remembering. Yeah, I don't what know. It was I don't remember. Anyway, uh, whatever, doesn't matter. But yeah, he's 
you probably can tell then like his his pacing is yeah there's a different very style abnormal to those, yeah. that i've i've never seen anything that has quite his level his kind of pacing it's it's a very yeah. different pacing that just jerks from one setup to another in ways that you wouldn't expect normally uh-huh. um, have you read any of his uh, comics um i have read a few of the ones that i've uh blundered into over the years um Ode to Kirihito is one, and that one is that one is nuts. That's like that is not for kids at all. That's like <laughs> that is freaking crazy. And you read it when you were ten? <laughs> no, no, actually not that long ago. Oh, okay. Um, probably like not too long before uh, getting involved in the site. But oh, okay. But definitely when I was an adult. Um, I think there was something. Crap, I can't remember the name of it. Um, Something about Apollo, like Apollo's song, maybe. I don't know. I, I can't, don't know. Yeah. I can't remember the title quite often. That one was pretty messed up too. Uh, that one was about some guy who was like this total fucking asshole to women, and so he like gets punished by whatever goddess to be constantly reincarnated, and like he's now destined every one of his lives to fall in love with a woman and never actually be able to obtain her oh, relationship man. with her. So it's just like him living lives over and over and over that are just like horribly tragic. And wow. It's just like, that's your punishment for being a dick. <laughs> it's there like, you go. It's like, wow. Okay. Wow. Um, Ode to Kirihito is pretty messed up, um, but kind of shows off his uh, doctor origins. Okay. That yeah, he yeah. would. He had been pushed into medical school by his parents because they wanted him to be a doctor. Because it's respectable. Great, yeah. yeah. Great career choice. Yeah. And he never wanted to, but it was like, well, my parents told me to, so I'm going to do it. Then he graduated med school and just went right into comics. So <laughs> <laughs> he never even got a job. He never practiced. Oh wow. He just, he just, but he got he a doctorate. It, and... He he was totally a doctor, and he just never practiced. He just went right into. It, but <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure it informed. It definitely uh, what he did. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of like blackjack is the surgeon, so there's a That's lot true, yeah. in blackjack that you can see going back to his medical stuff. Like even Astro Boy is kind of like you're building a boy that's a robot, and there's a lot of kind of medical uh, huh. ideas going on in there. And yeah, Ode to Kirihito is kind of like that. There's this disease that's turning people into like animal people, Ooh. and th- so there's like this that whole sound so bad. <laughs> It's got this whole weird like social dynamic going on. Well, then there's the one part where the and so there's a doctor investigating it, and it's just like basically the animal people are like treated like shit. Like, oh, poor animal people. Yeah, like sexually abused and like it gets really freaking dark and absurd there. Like he gets like the main character gets like kidnapped by a circus and like put on like they like have him like on stage forcing him to have sex with dogs and it's just jesus <laughs> christ it's like holy shit what the wow. hell is this and yeah he like escapes with some weird kinky performer who like she's she's like dressed up like a circus performer and her like her whole gimmick was that she'd be inside of like baked goods that are getting cooked and she'd burst out of them and what the fuck <laughs> it was like what in the hell is going on it was all over the map it wow was, it was pretty weird. It's pretty wild, Jesus. Yeah, it was. It was a very dark and disturbing, and I was just like, I just had Astro Boy in my head. Like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> like, this is not. A, whoa, oh, that was kind of when I realized that Tezuka is not necessarily for children. He does a much wider range of stuff. Yeah, and 
Like, it's just that Astro Boy was his biggest, most popular work that he had to keep going back to. Uh-huh. He was actually pretty damn tired of it by the t- by after a while. And he was just yeah. like, uh, he was just doing it for the paycheck because that was his paycheck. Yeah, you gotta was, pay the bills. You know? Yeah, and the other stuff was what he actually wanted was to be super doing. super interested in, yeah. So, it was, it was a weird one, but... Well, yeah, shit. so he's yeah. got some other ones. Like, he's done, a, like, a, I wouldn't say a biography, but the, the life of the Buddha. Like, he did a whole Yeah, series. I was going to ask you if that was him, because they have them at this uh, Eugene Library. Oh, okay. I'll have to check them out, because yeah. I've kind of been wanting to read them. They weren't uh, around where it was easy I, to access yeah. them. They've got them. I don't know if they have all of them, but they, I know I've seen multiple yeah, volumes. Yeah, so that's that's when I've wanted to read... Um, Honestly, practically anything of his I've wanted to read. He's done yeah. a lot of, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of titles. Like, yeah, real prolific guy. Yeah. Just cranking I mean, them was, out. It was kind of hilarious when I looked up his uh, bibliography on Wikipedia or something, and, and like, right at the, <laughs> the top of the list, it says, we aren't even trying to catalog all of them. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, we're not even going to try. <laughs> like, it's like, here's a list of what we know, and there's probably a bunch more, too. Wow. <laughs> it was like, damn. <clears throat> <laughs> so he's he was working right up to the to his death pretty much and wow yeah and the story is his final words were please just let me work like even on his <laughs> deathbed he was trying to get out and just, oh, he's like man. he just wanted to draw so, wow and so yeah wow. he's got tons of stories he knew what he wanted to do <laughs> yeah a gr- very imaginative guy there's a lot of great yeah. stuff of his i'm always curious to see more so cool well, i have to check some of that out yeah i like the darkness so. yeah so some of his are pretty pretty dark uh i definitely didn't get that from from the uh the, the movies that i've seen but right those were like his children's movies yeah, and stuff yeah. and um did you ever see the blackjack movie i did that i was, did see that that's like a 90s movie yeah, yeah yeah that was probably after his death that was cool though i like yeah, that movie. that was that was a bit of a different take on Blackjack than like the the stuff Tezuka himself oh, okay. did, but it's it was Osamu Dezuki did that one, and he's done he's done a lot of movies, and some of his movies are pretty over the top, crazy. Uh-huh. I think he did the Golgo Thirteen movies, which are okay, kind of like R rated James Bond, but yeah, but the, the anime ones, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, we were just talking about Sunny Chiba and. Sonny Chiba has uh, did some live action Go Go Thirteen movies. Oh, okay. In the seventies. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's at least a couple. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I've. Yeah, I, I just remember the the eighties anime movie where they threw in some lovely eighties CG helicopter. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. That when I mean, you sent me that picture, yeah. Uh, that was fantastic. Did you ever play the NES game? No. Oh man, no, it was gotta... a treat. It's it's uh I don't remember getting very far in it, but I I always enjoyed it. Huh. <laughs> a little spy game. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll have to try that out someday. Yeah, I don't think I have I might have it. I don't know. Well, I'm sure we can track it down at some point. Well, yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> we can track down anything. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> now. Yeah, internet, you put pretty much track down anything. Right. Um but I guess we should start talking about Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, 20 we minutes did have a point of... Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I don't mind tangents. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, Hellraiser. So uh, so we watched Hellraiser. Um, what should I say about Hellraiser? Um, 
Hellraiser, the movie, is based on Clive Barker's novella called The Hellbound Heart. Um, apparently, when he wrote it, he made it specifically short because he knew he wanted to adapt it into a screenplay in a movie. Ah. Um, and the reason why Clive Barker wanted to make this movie... Uh, specifically with him writing and directing the movie and in creative control of it, mm-hmm. was that he sold the rights to a couple of his stories uh, previously in the years um, like 84, 85, something like that. And they made two movies based on his a couple of his short stories, and they're just like nothing like Clive Barker's mm-hmm. uh, ideas. Or they didn't have any of that feel that, that he... Right, um, so usually has and he was very angry about this and he said this is you know my name is is getting tarnished by these shitty movies (laughs) i gotta make a movie that is going to really uh, reflect my my style and so then he set about and he made hellraiser okay so um you being uh not so much the horror fan right and this being uh pretty unique horror movie Uh, yeah this was not what i was expecting okay going into it and and i wonder i I, well there's there's a lot of it going that um of what culturally has been the image of this movie of of pinhead specifically being you know he's kind of the face of the franchise he is he is and so I kind of expected it to be more of like a, a Freddy or a Jason thing where it's like he's the guy going around yeah. just being evil and killing stuff and he kind of is more in the background here. Right. And so it was a it was very different than what I was expecting it yeah, to be. Yeah. It's not so much a pinhead slasher movie. It's um you know pinhead comes in uh very specific moments. Right. Um and it's kind of it kind of wasn't even about him. He no, was it's sort not of incidental it's not. to it, which is kind of weird because it was it was kind of a slasher film, but kind of kind of, but only only s- slight elements. Yeah, you know? I mean, there there was the serial killer, but oddly enough, the serial killing itself was not really supernatural. No, it was like the I mean, it was kind of in service to the supernatural, but it was just you know hit a dude on the head with a hammer. You know, right, it was right, kind of. Like it was so it's like you kind of expect this to be this supernatural murder thing and it's kind of not. It was kinda I was not yeah. expecting it to go in those directions. Like in a in a usual slasher, it's uh like there's a basic formula <laughs> that a normal slasher follows. Right. And the 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 way that it distinguishes itself from other slashers is like the different kills that happen or the different weapons that they'll use or whatever. And Mm -hmm. like, so there's nothing like that here. Right. It's the imagination is all like on all the other stuff around it than just the the act of killing. And it's like the, and the, the victims are like complete strangers to to us as the audience. It's like there's no connection with them, which usually, and, and I'm sure there's ones that defy this, but it's like, usually you, have the group of people and it tries to detail something of these people's lives before yeah, they die. Yeah, and they slowly get whittled down to yeah, the one final and it's kind of And that's kind of where I thought it was going at first, that, oh, they're going into this house and it's going to be this haunted house and they're yeah. all going to be trapped inside it with Pinhead running around killing them for whatever randomness. And yeah. Totally not that at totally all. Totally not that. <laughs> but um, 
it may have been that if if he had sold the rights to somebody uh, else, and yeah. this is why he specifically wanted to make it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should just say also, his name is technically not Pinhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's... That is a name that the public gave him. Right. Um, Clive Barker is on record for hating <laughs> Pinhead <laughs> as a name. He's called right. him that now because it's kind it's... of like the easiest way to refer to him. Right. How but are you he... going to not call him that now? Right. Yeah. But the he's not named in the novella at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but in... He wrote, Clive Barker, his most recent novel is a novel where uh, Pinhead returns. It's the first thing that he wrote about Pinhead since Mm. the novella in the 80s. Um, And he calls him the Hell Priest Ah. in that. And so... Here, the, the credits, I think, called him just Lead Cenobite or something. Yeah, I, he doesn't have a oh, name. Although I, I did find it hilarious of the Butterball Cenobite. Yeah, no, <laughs> that surprised me because I thought all the names um, were all just given by the public, like Butterball and the 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 Chattering guy with yeah, his teeth. Yeah, like, like Chattering like, Yeah, I always, my, my friend uh, always referred to him as Chatterbox. Uh. <laughs> and like... So I heard a lot about this movie before I saw it. So I had all those things in my head like before the first time I saw right. it. And so I just thought like, oh, that's what they are called or whatever. And so it's just, you know, I don't know what the point is, but <laughs> right. so I just found it interesting that, yeah, Butterball was actually named. Yeah, it's actually in the credits. Yeah. It Butterball. Instead of <laughs> I was like, oh, man. So I, that kind of gave me a chuckle. Yeah. I mean, um, it's good that they don't call him that in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. But... Come Butterball. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious, but not what you want. In a, horror right. movies aren't supposed to be hilarious most of the time. Well, yeah. Th- I mean, there's an inherent ho- uh, comedy to, to a lot of horror movies, but right. um, not so much this one. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and, and so I'm kind of like... Although, th- I mean, there's some pretty dark... <laughs> F- funny moments in this movie yeah i i was laughing at, at quite a few moments in here um like the rats nailed to the wall yeah that, yeah that sent me into a fit of giggles but <laughs> it's like oh it's just the rats that's fine it's kind of sadistic yeah. <laughs> but yeah with this movie being different i mean it it kind of in a way reminds me of alien Okay. In that I'm looking at this movie from a modern perspective of knowing that Pinhead is this iconic is character. Is a thing, okay. And in that same way that um, like Ripley was not supposed to be known to the audience. That's and true, so yeah. Like I'm getting, so I feel like with, like with Alien, I'm getting a very different experience than what it was intended to be. Okay. In just because it's going through this filter of what I've already heard and known right. about the yeah. film outside like, of it well i don't know how many years 30 something years yeah, of, it's, of just was pinhead 80, all the time 87 so 87 yeah, 30 years, so. yeah right at 30 years here yeah so yeah and and you know however 10 sequels or however many things yeah have cranked yeah, out no idea how much of that's gone on i, I was... think there's at least 10 wow um and all of them except for one feature doug bradley as pinhead wow so i don't know you know Huh. If he still looks the part at this uh, time yeah, and place, but, but I've yeah. only seen I've seen like the first I've probably seen like up to Hellraiser four. I think that's where I stopped. Mm. 
they start going downhill they definitely go downhill um yeah, i kind of imagine that that they would have like any long-running series i just automatically assume it goes downhill yeah and they do be- kind of become a little bit more like a formulaic slasher mm-hmm. um the second one uh was produced by clive barker so he still had creative okay. influence on that second one so that one continues like broadening out the world and gets real like fantastical and it's not the best movie like it's not nearly as good as the first one okay um but it's still like really interesting a lot of crazy like visuals and ideas and things that stick with me um even though i didn't i don't i don't think it's a great movie okay. but i might I'm, i don't know i might I, like it more now i i would have one question of does it Follow that weird skeleton dragon that flew off at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember him being in it, but honestly, I, I haven't seen the second one for, I don't know, at yeah, least okay. 10 years. That's that's kind of like where I was like, okay, I, the whole movie, I was just like, okay, how does this hobo fit into all of this? And yeah, he keeps like, coming around. You know. And then it just flies off, and I'm just like, okay, wh- the sequel? <laughs> well, the idea with that is that the box the box is really pinhead and the box the 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 i don't they don't ever talk about it in the movie i don't think um but it's the le marchand configuration is what they call the <laughs> the puzzle box um and that's like one of the through lines throughout all of the movies as well mm-hmm. um and like the comics and there was a whole big you know hellraiser palooza in the 90s you know everybody was going hellraiser crazy um but yeah it's all about that box and so like the the owner of the box was frank his purpose you know his his entire story had been told and you know so his time with the box was over and so the box needed to then go go to a new to to someone else and um this yeah hobo guy was kind of the guy i guess keeping an eye on it yeah it's you know like that was that was kind of the best thing i could come up with was he was just there to bring the box back to the chinese guy yeah who sells it to people who want to screw up their lives forever but right and and i i mean i don't know how much like in terms of clive barker canon this is but i know in all of the other like in the comics and the and the sequels and stuff the box doesn't follow that same trajectory it passes through hands and Mm. uh, you know gets all passed around and all kinds of like various ways comes into other people's um possessions and in the comics they actually like there's a couple of stories where they don't even involve the box at all it's like a puzzle of like there's this one person who's trying to solve the aids virus and make a vaccine (laughs) and so like she she figures out the the way to combine the elements into an actual vaccine for aids and through that assembling that puzzle, <laughs> wow. she then like opens up uh, the doorway to to hell and cenobites. You know, so, so the gate to hell is just something really complicated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, or can be anything really complicated. Yeah, and I don't know honestly if that translates to the movies, but uh, in the comics, definitely. And Clive Barker was like a 
consultant on all those comics. So mm. I feel like they're at some level uh, uh, canon or whatever. I don't know. Or at least... Uh, at least fun. Yeah, at least fun. <laughs> if, you know, if they're fun, that's all I really want. Yeah, that's all that really matters. They're not great comics, I will say that, but mm. they're fun. There's a... Neil Gaiman wrote a story in one of them. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, in uh, Larry... Larry Wachowski, <laughs> who went on to make The Matrix and stuff like that, right. uh, yeah. was a writer on on a few of those stories as well. I noticed. I just I'm reading them like the last few months and stuff, so it's all up in my head. Wow. Might um, have to check out the Neil Gaiman one. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look and see which one it was. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm always fond of his his stuff. Yeah. Well, not always, but not always. Yeah. <laughs> but most of his stuff I enjoy. <laughs> The guy who did Hellboy, Mike Mignola. Oh, he did one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he seems like a good match for that. Yeah, no, his was really good. I remember. I don't remember what the hell happened, but <laughs> had something to do with hell. Yeah, <laughs> hell and a puzzle and <laughs> somebody being taken away. You know. Um. Uh, so, uh, to get back to the movie, right? I don't know what else there is to say. Um, I didn't take any notes. I, uh, I, I, I'm thoroughly like locked into hellraiser i love this movie so much that it's i don't know <laughs> yeah i'd say uh, the the effects work was phenomenal yeah it, it was really uh, good i i not knowing like when it, not knowing when i went into it i was kind of like i would have totally believed that was a high budget like just oh okay like i i not i would not have just after watching it i did not think well that was a low budget you know shoestring kind of catches catch yeah. can put together any way we can do it film yeah and it was i mean and, it was fairly low budget i think yeah it kind of made me think like is is that just common for breakout horror movies because we got evil dead was basically that as well and yeah we got hellraiser and it just seems like is there just some trend here of just this low budget stuff there's definitely i mean hellraiser is definitely a lot bigger budget than evil dead and like it was made with some studio backing, not like a major studio, but mm -hmm. but some kind of low level independent studio. Right. But um, but still very low budget. Um, and I think it, it's definitely common for like low budget uh, for horror movies to rise from low budget stuff, like directors right. to be found there or whatever, mm -hmm. um, because horror is just a genre that kind of lends itself to a low budget production. Hmm. Um, like something like Blair Witch, you know, it's a bunch of, oh, yeah. you know, three yeah. or four kids with a camcorder and they made, you know, $400 million or whatever the <laughs> hell off of, you know, 10,000 investment or something, you know, um, they didn't, I don't think w go on to anything, but, right. um, Hey, if you if you make that much, you, you yeah. don't need to make anything else. But there is definitely a precedent, and I can't think of too many other things. Oh, um, the other one I was thinking of, Peter Jackson. Yeah, Peter Jackson yeah, was, was definitely the other one I was starting on his own. So I was just after I, because I'd watched the little like featurette on the DVD that was kind of like talking oh, okay. about uh, how the movie was made, and it was kind of like, yeah, this is this low budget thing. I'm like, oh, this like, seems, and I'm just like running through my head like. You got like Evil Dead, and we got Peter right, Jackson. Right. It's like now that like how much of this, and these are all like really big things in horror. To yeah, 
So it's just Wes kinda... Craven too would also like his first movie, Last House on the Left is super low budget. <laughs> like there's there's like not a lot of frills to that movie, and that was a big huge success that you know eventually led to other stuff, oh. Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever. But I mean, even Nightmare on Elm Street by today's standards is. You know, I mean, that probably costs like four million or something. Yeah. That's like nothing. Yeah, today, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with a good, if you have a good filmmaker, <laughs> uh, the budget doesn't so much matter. Um, right. If they if they have the, the skills to compromise and know their limitations in the production, you know, but I would say that, that Hellraiser is a pretty ambitious movie like evil dead. You know, I mean, mean, there's so much effects and stuff that I just, I wouldn't think you'd be able to do that with a low budget or have that kind of quality going on with it. Yeah. At least a pretty sizable budget going on, but yeah, but he did a good job. I don't know how much it costs, but uh, yeah, I'd say the only thing that seemed off to me was that it, appeared to be kind of dubbed over audio yeah i think there's, there might have been a couple of dubbed people there, there's a lot of lines of dialogue that it just seems like this just isn't quite syncing up right oh okay like especially the the lady the old lady complaining in the pet shop was like <laughs> like i'm like oh okay she was dubbed over i don't know yeah and so it just made me think this might have been like uh one of the other movies you've talked about, like um, like the spaghetti westerns or something, where yeah, there's, where there's just no audio recording; it's just the video recording, and then they dub it over later or something. Yeah, so. well, th- this was definitely shot with with sound, sync sound, as they call it. Mm-hmm. But um, Clive Barker is English, and the the movie was shot in England, hmm. and so I would suspect that those little actors, like the old lady was probably just some English lady and he wanted an American voice mm. um, so as to kind of keep the the ruse <laughs> that this was an American sort of production or whatever. Oh yeah, is I, it like set in Boston or something? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Like I don't I don't think it would have done as well if it everyone was <laughs> Hello, mate <laughs> you know. Um, so maybe it was just dubbed over to clear out the accents. I would imagine that that was mm. the reason why but um yeah, i think that's I happened know. with yeah. like uh films from the south i think i've like a few there, there was at some point there was some like tv movie on that was like had been made in the south and so okay. it was like dubbed over to be standard american english <laughs> rather than <laughs> and it was kind of like what the heck why would you dub over an english movie in english when like, yeah but it was just i guess they felt the accents were too thick or something so yeah well I just I I know other instances where they do it specifically for that reason. So mm, I don't know. So. That's my guess. It's a, a plausible <laughs> explanation. Yeah, there there is a a very lengthy <laughs> documentary about the making of mm-hmm. um, the first two Hellraiser movies called Leviathan that oh, was wow. kickstarted, and it's like a six hour <laughs> experience. Wow. Um, no, this was like so, the thing on the DVD was like some. 10 minute thing it like started off yeah. with clive barker being like ah this is gonna be the last thing i might ever talk about this because i've run out of things to say about this movie <laughs> 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 which was kind of funny but it was yeah 
it was kind of more going down the list of the actors and how what they were doing in their roles. Oh, okay. So and kind of describing the uh, grueling makeup procedures and. I would imagine, yeah, all that stuff took takes uh, was, hours uh, to do. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the especially Frank pinhead guy. Oh I yeah, think he yeah. Said it was like he was in makeup for like six hours, just getting the the costume put on him for yeah. six hours. Of yeah, people for the crap on him. And yeah, he had like a different. He had like. It's had like four or five different costumes. Yeah, there, there were the multiple stages. layers of yeah. that. Yeah, I love was, that. Yeah, and that's that's actually another uh, area it reminded me of Alien with is that I'd seen uh, someone talking about Alien recently, and that one of the the ways that movie uh, keeps you engaged and stays interesting is that the monster changes constantly through that movie you know you first oh yeah see i guess it egg, does yeah yeah it's the face hugger and then you got the chest burster and then like oh, it's yeah. constantly changing so you have a different situation constantly over the course yeah of the movie. okay and, that makes sense and hellraiser is definitely that like even beyond frank you've got right. like, so many different random things going on yeah that there's always something new popping out at you and like that weird whatever it was in the hallway that yeah <laughs> which was whatever that was yeah i i didn't expect to see it again uh-huh. i thought it was just like this kind of just this random thing, thing. Yeah. and then it, then it shows up at the end and uh, that that was another uh, fit of giggles for me when it punched the <laughs> the boyfriend in the yeah. face <laughs> just like it just decked him and... yeah like stuff like that that's that's uh, you like got they're going patty for cake for the box with the girl there. <laughs> it's just like oh man yeah that's good stuff yeah that was that was a surprise for me but i like that guy yeah yeah whatever whatever he is whatever he was he's, yeah he was entertaining some denizen of hell yeah some ring of hell <laughs> or hallway of hell yeah the, the hallway connecting one of the rings to another uh but yeah there was a there was a lot of just fun crazy crap going on and it yeah it kind of it never felt like it was shortchanging those things uh-huh like i mean there's there and not just in how many monsters there are but in just different plot threads going on of you've got the guy and his wife who are moving and then you've got the the whole frank thing and she's like had an affair with him then you got she's not getting along with the daughter-in-law and all this like everything's got this own setup and then the daughter-in-law's got her boyfriend and her job she's getting like all of these different things are going on there's so many different directions the plot is going in and yet it never feels like you're missing part of those no it very naturally like jumps between all of that stuff right it it doesn't feel like you're missing out on some part of the backstory of one character or another or what's going on with their particular yeah story arc i would yeah i definitely agree with that it's it's paced very well like it's constantly like keeping you like involved to go to the next thing it's very easy to watch right right which is like again, how it defied my expectations. Yeah. Like usually, it's some, some slasher film of oh, we're just stuck in a right, room, right. and now we're dying one by one, and we're just gonna ratchet up the tension on that. And this would just keep going in completely different directions. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, for years you've said, you know, oh, you know horror is kind of, you know, right, it's alright, whatever. And I was just always in the back of my head thinking of all these random horror movies. I was like, ah, you know, I gotta, gotta throw these your way because, you know. There's definitely things out there that are a lot more uh, inventive than 
the the, the standard you know formulaic stuff right as much as i enjoy that stuff as well yeah yeah i mean i'd, I'd say like and and not that these were in any way bad here in Hellraiser, but the the scenes where I was the least engaged with the movie were those like the creeping scenes of like yeah it was like oh something's gonna happen and we're we're walking through and slowly building up to it yeah and, and that's there's a little bit of that here yeah, yeah and none of that was so long winded or anything that I that it took me out of it but yeah that's like that's what will usually break my immersion in a horror okay. film is is that. <laughs> specifically that of it it's creeping along and you're just like all right those are the moments when i begin thinking of other things yeah and like just take it let's just move it along yeah like <laughs> i want to see the monster right let's and, next and i saw a lot of monsters in here so that was a good yeah, yeah. well if you want to see a lot of monsters you, you, look no further than clive barker's next film nightbreed <laughs> <laughs> which is entirely composed of a, a cavalcade of monsters <laughs> wow yeah, maybe I'll have to check that out. Yeah, at some point, I definitely want to show you that movie. Yeah, you've you've said a lot of good things about it before. Yeah, so it's it's, I know it's that's good. One of your favorites. The problem is that you know, what version do we watch? I guess we'd watch the the good version, but yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's Nightbreed. <laughs> um, anything else about Hellraiser? I don't know. Hmm. Um. think that uh pretty much covers it yeah. yeah i'm just trying to think of like what else what else goes on i don't know there was the fun resurrection scene oh yeah where he like yeah. comes out of the floorboards and stuff yeah, yeah. like they, but that again just like that's just the amazing special effects. Right. Where no, that's knows. that. Yeah, that shit is dope. Where like the brain kind of forms. Yeah, and, like, yeah. <laughs> just, I, that whole reforming was just that was a ton of fun. I was like, oh, yeah. this is interesting. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Have you seen American Werewolf in London? Uh, no, I have not. Oh wow. Well, in terms of uh, transformation scenes, like mm-hmm. the the transformation from man to wolf, and that scene is like the the pinnacle of anything like that it's good stuff so right. i recommend at least if nothing else to watch that scene <laughs> that yeah. one scene it's a good movie overall but but uh that one scene is <laughs> definitely check that one the out. highlight of the movie yeah yeah it, it, good stuff yeah oh oh that was that was the other thing about hellraiser is that it reminded me of an anime okay berserk oh okay and perhaps more the manga of Berserk, as the anime adapts uh, a very specific part of the manga. Okay. Is less to do with the demons than the rest of the story. But um, the Cenobites were very reminiscent of the demons that kind of haunt the main character in Berserk. Oh, really? Wow. Like, in the the story of berserk he's basically being like haunted by these demons that just show up in his dreams and are just like taunting him like they're eventually going to kill him and there's there's all this stuff and he's kind of going crazy and one of them in particular um reminded me of of the butterball (laughs) (laughs) and that it's this fat guy with these sunglasses and i think they're like I think the glasses are like fused to his face. Oh wow! Like they, uh, so I don't even think that guy could take them off. But it, they, they feel very much like this Cenobite role where they just uh-huh. show up occasionally, just to be cryptic and disturbing, and they're right. like the rulers of all the demons. And so it's 
it kind of made me wonder if Berserk hadn't been inspired by the movie. If yeah, like well, I wonder what year that Berserk that is, comic was written. Um, I think it's still going on. Oh well, like but, well, then when it started. Then yeah, I'm not know. sure when it started. Because I know they I had that uh, kind of in the '90s. Yeah, I know there was a Dreamcast game <laughs> in like 2000. Yeah, or yeah. Something. So it must have been in the '90s. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but. Yeah, and a couple of like there's one of the other demons like has his eyelids sewn shut and yeah no like, that's isn't that butterball with the where he yeah he puts has up the, his glasses yeah, he takes off the glasses yeah. and his, his eyes look like they're all sewn shut yeah or something. yeah and there, was, there was so there was one demon that just had the sunglasses that were like fused uh, to okay. his face and another one of the demons had like his eyes sewn shut and like his his lips were all like stretched out so you could just. It didn't even look like he had lips. It was just like teeth and the oh, okay. gums. And well, like, and... yeah, Chatterbox has the, the yeah, lips so like pulled like, back and stuff. Yeah, so it was like just, it seemed like so much of the demon designs for those yeah, main yeah. demons in Berserk was kind of like, this is very similar to Hellraiser. Interesting. <laughs> like I'm like, huh, I wonder how, like, what kind of inspiration might have gone on yeah. with that. And... Well, there's more Cenobites in each movie they introduce or take away and, and stuff. In in the third one, there's a guy with CDs, like compact oh, discs geez. in his head, and he throws them. Because, <laughs> like I said, it gets a little bit more slashery with the, right. especially when you get away from the the Clive Barker influence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that does sound inventively bizarre. And, yeah, and... people generally don't like that one, <laughs> Hellraiser Three, Hell on Earth. <laughs> but uh, for the CD guy alone, I fucking love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. But yeah, so yeah, so it, that's it, cool. I, I'm interested in. Uh, I've been interested in watching the the manga. I mean, watching the the what do you call it? Anime. Ever since, um, I think you were telling me about it, and I remember it because I had that the the Dreamcast game, and right. I played a lot of that, and I thought that was like an interesting kind of world or whatever. Right. So it's like the anime is a kind of a pre. To it, that's right you told me that that it's yeah. not the same kind of thing yeah the manga kind of goes for i think like i don't know maybe 10 volumes or so where it's just like demons running around everywhere and okay just crazy madness and dark magic and stuff yeah and then it goes into a flashback to before the demons came out and before hell broke loose and okay. demons were everywhere so it's kind of a, a more or less normal world and it's kind of like leading up to the demons breaking out so the anime is kind of i, w- I don't want to say stereotypical fantasy but it's kind yeah. of a typical it's medieval, closer to that yeah yeah kind of a typical medieval setting and then at the end of that series uh the anime series just hell breaks loose okay. and demons start going up and fucking people up and Sometimes literally fucking people up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And yeah, and it just, then it turns into this whole brutal madness that that makes Game of Thrones look kind and cuddly and fluffy. (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to watch that, yeah. Definitely, now that you're saying that there's some kind of a possible Hellraiser influence. I'm I'm, I'm really curious now to see if, uh, to see the release date on when, when he started that manga and... Because I'm gonna guess after Hellraiser, yeah, but it's it's kind of hard to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna say sometime maybe early '90s. Okay, would be when it started maybe. Yeah, mid Hellraiser mania. <laughs> yeah, kind of maybe right <laughs> in the middle of that maybe. Because like the third movie I think is like '90 90 or '91 or something like that. So it was already like 
a well like the machine had started <laughs> right <laughs> and it's it's hard to say with berserk because that i think that thing is still going on that's one of those stories that is never ending yeah well i think they they may have like new new anime movies and stuff too don't they um there was a trilogy of movies that i haven't seen i think they are retelling what the tv series oh okay did. i I think that's what they're doing. Retelling or, or compilation? Um, definitely retelling. Oh, okay. They've definitely reanimated re- it. It's just okay. got a lot of CG in it and stuff. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So that that's a large part of why I haven't watched them. <laughs> and also because I was perfectly happy with the TV series. I yeah. Like, I, I didn't think they needed to be changed or altered, really. So, yeah. 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 If you, you know, if you're happy with one thing, that's like, I'm happy with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. And so I don't, I don't really care about any other, (laughs) I didn't see the other ones that they made. I didn't see any, see the other ones they made after that either. Cause it was like, I'm happy enough with the Sam Raimi ones. Exactly. I didn't didn't want the new ones. (laughs) I didn't watch them. (laughs) I guess maybe I'll wind up seeing the new one that's coming out someday, but yeah, probably not in the theaters. I'll just, yeah. If there's anything, I'll probably get the dvd of that yeah. as well and mostly just because it's tied into all the whole other right, cinematic right, right. universe they're doing with it now but yeah well that goes in with the with the celestial stuff i don't think we were talking about that on the podcast but the marvel right. they're all building to infinity gauntlet the infinity right. gauntlet story yeah yeah and i don't know that it's going to be like an actual adaptation of what the the comic story was because that when that comic story came out i was in like sixth grade at the height of my comic love (laughs) and it was just basically gather all of the marvel heroes in space to fight thanos (laughs) yeah and i don't know that they're gonna do that i mean because obviously it's not gonna be everybody but I don't know. Are they going to bring everybody from all the movies together? Yeah, that'll you know, it'll be interesting, be interesting to see, to yeah. see how how yeah. that all plays out. But anyway, also in, involved with all of that was like all of the celestial beings of Marvel, the Watcher, like uh, yeah, Silver so. Surfer, Galactus, like everybody yeah. comes in. Yeah, I think the I think the Watcher was in the new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, really? As a cameo? Oh, cool. So um, cool. That was, they blended that with the Stan Lee cameo that is obligatory to every okay. Marvel movie. But well, cool. Uh, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm hopeful then that the Watcher comes into Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it. Uh, I think that last Guardians movie did kind of touch on the celestial thing a bit. Okay, they, cool. They, I think they actually meet one of the Celestials. Awesome, awesome. So I'm well, not they, sure if he's one from the comics or if they yeah, just I came up with. Uh, he he's not one that I had known before. Okay. So well, I know of one thing that that James Gunn had mentioned that he wanted specifically to use. And it's definitely from the comics. And I don't know that if it's the same thing that you're talking about, but, uh, um, the living planet (laughs) basically. Uh. Um, anyway, those guard, I was going to say that those guardians movies definitely are from that lineage of, of crazy cosmic marvel like jim starlin is the guy that did a lot of that stuff Mm. um he created thanos and and stuff like that i mean i'm not entirely sure (laughs) (laughs) he may have not i'm pretty sure he created thanos but you know silver emulsion vague facts right right i'm pretty sure but then i say that and then it's (laughs) like 
I'm not. I don't know that I'm entirely sure of that. We've got to keep to the uh, <laughs> not entirely right, hundred percent right. certain. But I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. The the shaky truths <laughs> to build your life around. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't remember how we got on that, but um, came from somewhere. It ca- yeah, it definitely <laughs> came from somewhere. <laughs> it's the silver emulsion style for you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> But uh, based on on Hellraiser, um, this is would you say this is your first encounter with Clive Barker in any form? Or? Um, you know, it probably is. Aside from just you know general, right? Just from just knowledge, knowledge of, of his name or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is probably the first actual story of his that I've gone through and experienced. Right. Cool. Well, so uh, it's, uh, do, do you feel in? Uh, like you want to further explore? Uh, sure, I would. I'd be down for some more Clive Barker. All right. I think uh, at some point you kind of just like I've I've never really gotten into because you know just this horror writer and right. and at some point you told me of like probably a few weeks ago or might have been on one of the podcasts that yeah he's less of a horror writer more of a dark fantasy writer definitely for sure um, I I don't think it was on a podcast but um, his his first collection is primarily just horror stories but even those are like super like dark fantasy and very imaginative as well they don't really follow the same like you know normal trappings of horror um but everything like every book after that the first book is super horror but it's also like super fantasy but it's really horrific like crazy like (laughs) graphic violence and then each book after that gets less less like traditional horror elements and more like fantasy elements and the stuff that i'm at now because i'm reading them chronologically mm-hmm. like the last book i read was just um this story like a like a family lineage story about like oh well you know they started here and then they went here like i don't know how to words are failing me uh, but uh, <laughs> it's like there's n- very few fantasy elements at all, even though the 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 story is essentially about these gods that are living on Earth. Huh. <laughs> so it's like a fantasy concept, but the the story is not fantastical really at all, huh. and it's not horror at all. So huh. so he's a much more varied and. Um, interesting writer than than you would think that he gets the rap for being this just horrific you know hellraiser <clears throat> blood and guts you know yeah and that's kind of why i've just been like not terribly interested in him but like it seems like that's not quite what he yeah it's, is, so. it's definitely yeah. he's gotten a bad a bad rap um an inaccurate rap at any in, and and yes inaccurate rap he definitely loves horror and loves dealing with with uh, pushing boundaries of of violence or taboos of sexual taboos or whatever he's always like pushing against things like that but um i mean even like stephen king gets the rap of being a horror writer but he's a lot more right. broad than that yeah but yeah. but stephen king is much more of a horror writer than clive barker right and i think that's kind of why i've not been terribly uh 
into Stephen King's stuff as much as uh-huh. you are is that it's well, it's horror, and I'm not, you know, so right. I've, and I've, why I've stuck to Dark Tower yeah. more so than anything because that's his fantasy kind of stuff. And yeah, that fit more in line with what. And he is like. more traditionally like classified as horror stuff, you know, like right. Salem's Lot is essentially like a modern ish version of Dracula. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's a lot more than that, but but it's a pretty straightforward vampire story. And so, like, I could see being not as engaged with that, even though that book is fucking awesome. <laughs> and you should like it. Not that you have read it, but... <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've, I have nothing bad to say about it. My only experience right, right. with it is uh, the, the <laughs> brief cameo one of the characters had in Dark Tower. Yes, uh, yes, he just bring some, that guy back. Some priest that showed up in Dark Tower and yeah, talked about it. But. Yeah, he's he's not even like a super. He's like a supporting character in in Salem's Lot, mm-hmm. as I remember it, but uh, very integral to the part to the plot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Clive Barker, I would definitely recommend uh, Weave World. <laughs> it's a good uh, dark fantasy. Um, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Great and Secret Show is, bro- is, is really, really fantastic. Um, uh, I don't know how to describe I honestly don't know how to describe it. Um, well, those are the best. It's about these, it's it, in, in very broad, like not exact terms, it's about two uh, practitioners of uh, magic. Clive Barker calls it the art because mm. it's not specifically magic as we would think of it. Right. Two practitioners of, of the art that are locked in this eternal battle that... Um, get lodged underground this town while they're fighting and it affects all this shit in the town <laughs> and uh, you know like that is a very uh, weird way to describe that book because that's only really the very beginning of the book okay <laughs> and it just broadens out from there and there's just all kinds of hmm. weird shit that goes on it's a crazy 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 book um and then he wrote a sequel like 10 years later. And then there's a third book <laughs> that has yet to appear. <laughs> oh. um, and we're going on, you know, the the second book was in 95, I think. So, oh, wow. so. kind of like the Stephen King Dark Tower stuff where right. he just took forever to write the next one. But Clive Barker is, you know, has all these unfinished projects and he keeps uh, having these health issues and Uh, so who knows what if this stuff will ever come out but um he's always working he says he writes every day and he paints every day he's a an artist in the truest sense always very creative and yeah seems like he's uh doing a better job than i am (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's 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 at it the he paints a lot because the he has a series of books that are like teen-ish level called Aberat. And mm. he paints before he writes. And he paints characters and lands and stuff. Mm. And then he writes stories around these things That's that cool. come out of his paintings. And so like he's currently writing the last book of that yeah. um, and painting the pictures and stuff. But God only knows when it'll come out. So yeah. his last book came out 2015 and it was like 20 some years in the making. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so he's, he's like, reached that point of his career where it's, yeah. Uh, 
this takes forever to get stuff done. Yeah. Like it got <clears throat> to the point where he wrote books in between that and the original idea of this this book called The Scarlet Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, this Hellraiser story. Change. Like all of these ideas that are originally gonna be in that book went into other books that came out <laughs> along the way. And so that when that actual book came out, it was like uh, a lot different than he originally envisioned it. And so oh. fans were mad because they he he told them it's gonna be this thousand page book, you know, like this massive tome of hell <laughs> and then when it actually came out it was like 375 pages and everyone was pissed off like where's the rest <laughs> it's like well i published them in like yeah, five other novels like, yeah kinda, like if you, you know. read the read the other stories and you've got basically all the ideas like don't don't worry you know yeah but anyway he almost died so anything uh, that he puts out now is very i'm so very grateful to have, to have yeah. yeah so anyway there's a Clive Barker, yeah, kind of, kind of funny in that little feature right on the DVD. He looked pretty ripped, like he was uh, hitting the gym all the time. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. I mean, he, he. I don't know how old that was. Was his voice normal? <laughs> Did he sound like a normal person? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Okay, then and that's a little off, maybe. But was it real raspy and like breathy? It was kind of raspy, but not okay, unintelligibly so or anything. Okay, because like he had some throat issues. And then he had some kind of, uh, I don't remember specifically what the disease was, but he had something that like threw him into a coma and he was in a coma for a long time and they thought he was gone and never going to come out. And then he eventually like he made it out Wow! and uh, it was a very long road of of recovery from that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually he got to the point where like he was still Clive, but his voice was all fucked up. And so he, he, he kind of talks in this very like, like you have to be real quiet and listen to him, you know, like the last, oh, I went to a convention, a horror convention and he was there, but I wasn't like a super fan by that point. Mm-hmm. So I did, I was just like, wow, Clive Barker, that's cool. But mm-hmm. I didn't really like mm-hmm. care or anything uh, in any real way, but I saw him there and he was talking and there was a big thing of like, we have to keep the noise level controlled because Clive is very, you know, like, like uh unstable <laughs> at mm. this point and he can barely talk and wow. you know like he was supposed to give mm. a big panel discussion and he canceled that to just be this little like like one-on-one fan thing mm. so but i saw him in the in the convention hall talking to somebody and it was like holy shit he <laughs> <laughs> can barely talk poor guy yeah it wasn't that so this must have been before all of that happened. yeah but I'm thinking that that feature's got to be at least as old as the DVD release of the movie, so. Yeah. Which so. would have been, I don't know, early 2000s. Maybe yeah, something like 90s, that, probably, so. yeah. Well, it can happen in 15-odd years, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I definitely recommend uh, some more Clive Barker to you. His yeah. imagination is uh, very rich yeah. and uh, full of surprises. It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly surprising here. I was uh, not expecting much of any of what I saw there. Yeah. So. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. um, I was hoping that the movie would take you in that way. <laughs> I thought that it, it probably would. Um, but you never know. You never know. Um, I'd also like to say that he is a great director, and I wish that he would make another movie. He only he made 
Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and Lord of Illusions. Okay. And uh, yeah, those are the only ones that he like directed. Mm -hmm. He, you know, there's a lot of other stuff based on his right stories. Um, but those are his only movies. I wish I don't think he's health wise not going to be able to pull it off. I don't think that he even wants to at this point. But just there's a part of me that would I love the idea of like the. Uh, somebody coming back and like making art, like doing something. Cause like he left, he stopped making movies because it was, he was getting so much shit from the studios. Like they, mm. they completely butchered Nightbreed. And then there was a not, there was, there was like some kind of fucked up situation with Lord of Illusions where making that was just this fucking nightmare for him. And so he just decided like, fuck it. But in a perfect world, he wanted to keep making more movies. Mm. And so I, I like the, yeah. the idea of him like being able to realize that dream. Yeah. I would, uh, I would be fun. Yeah. So I don't know. It would be interesting, but I don't think that that's in the cards. No, it doesn't seem like it. No, certainly not if his health is uh, that deteriorated. Yeah. He did get to, to make the, 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 the director's cut of Nightbreed um, when they released it to Blu-ray. They found all the footage. So oh. he was finally able to <laughs> be happy with this movie after like 30 years. So. <laughs> sort of like the uh, Donner cut of Superman. Yeah, Superman 2 with Superman. the with the Donner cut. Yeah, and have you seen that? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, fuck. But you've seen Superman, Superman 2, right? No, I, I have not seen any of the live action Holy shit. Oh, I've, wow. I've wow. somehow missed those wow those were big staples when i was a kid i watched yeah. the shit out of those wow how do you wow well shit the the first superman richard donner's superman fantastic movie mm-hmm. um to me i don't know I, I i'm not a i don't think that you're super into superman the character uh not specifically but but you read I'm a lot of him, yeah. dc stuff and yeah. so you know more I'm, I'm than, than more me or less familiar with the character yeah, yeah. And I think that that Richard Donner movie is fucking stunning. <laughs> like, I, that's a perfect movie. Fucking fantastic. And the the sequel is a fucking abomination. <laughs> because he <laughs> shot, originally, he shot two movies at the same time. And he was supposed to then break them into two. But then they fucking, they screwed him. And mm. so he put the ending of part two on the end of the first star, uh the first superman okay and so then they had to completely reshoot all this bullshit footage to make superman 2 have whatever ending it it was gonna have without that original ending and so when he got to redo the donner cut it's a way better movie and you get to see the idea of like wow this would have been a great like two movie series hmm. and it has the same ending as the, the first released movie. first movie because that's how it was originally intended and and it's just it's fucking fantastic i i, I love it and and superman 2 is not a great watch <laughs> like there's parts of it that are great but stuff there's some like just horrific fucking comedy shit <laughs> that they put in that's just awful i don't know but it, i would definitely as a as a fan of, of comics and stuff uh definitely check them out yeah yeah it's it's something i keep 
thinking I probably should yeah. someday, and, and someday just hasn't come. Right, yet, it just so. hasn't come. So, yeah, there's better things or, or more yeah, pressing yeah, things to look at. There's there's certainly lots of things. Yes, things. definitely. In this age of access, we yeah. we have many many things at our fingertips. We do. Yes, I think at some point I saw like some box set of all the old Super. Yeah, movies, they put them out all together. Yeah, and it was like something like a hundred twenty bucks. And I was Ooh, just like, Jesus, I was like, Christ. no, no, <laughs> I was like, no. I'm like I, I'm curious, but not that curious. Right, right. <laughs> I'll just get them from the library or something. Yeah, so have to do that. <clears throat> I would also recommend. Uh, Superman Four, <laughs> the <laughs> low budget canon produced sequel. Um, most people hate that movie. I think right. it's a ton of B movie fun, um, and it is the 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 only sequel that actually tries to recapture the tone of the Donner original. Huh. Surprisingly, so interesting. I am a big lover of that movie. So, so what about the uh, the Supergirl movie? Supergirl, yeah, there, there's was a like super nineties yeah. one or something. No, it's an eighties movie. Eighties, okay. Um, it's it's real hard to watch. It's <laughs> n- like a lot of people like that as a B movie, but I just can't couldn't get into it. Um, <laughs> in part because have you seen Die Hard? You've seen the, oh, every, yeah, everybody's seen, seen Die Hard. Hard right? That's a, that one's a childhood right, staple. Yeah, of mine. everybody's <laughs> like, seen Die Hard. <laughs> like all my childhood staples were like R rated, like yeah. RoboCop and Terminator. Yeah, and well, that's Predator. Yeah, and, I watched all those too. <laughs> Um, what was I gonna say? Um, oh, Supergirl, yeah. Supergirl, Something yes, about that and Die Hard. And Die Hard. Yeah. The 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 love interest in Supergirl is the the real slimy uh, asshole guy in the uh, the like the coworker <laughs> Hans Bubby, <laughs> who like tries to rat out. Like the John McClane. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> oh, I don't remember him. No. He's like trying to make a deal with Hans Gruber. <laughs> He's like, oh. Hans, booby. <laughs> anyway, every time that guy is talking in Supergirl, I always like, just I, picture that. I kept then. saying to myself, like after every line, come on, booby. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it was funny to me, but it just like, uh i i couldn't i couldn't get into the movie um i found it shitty and i watched that a lot as a kid too i mm. i had that on tape and and i enjoyed it and i still you know i enjoy it enough but it's just ugh. Mm-hmm. i can't i honestly i don't see how people can watch that movie enjoy it as a b movie and not like superman 4 <laughs> because they're you know they're you know cousins or whatever they, you know they're right there together i don't see why one is is lauded as a bad a bad good b movie and one is just a bad b movie i don't get huh. it interesting so those those are the the, the questions of the b movie yeah like the, the inexplicable nature of uh, humanity yes. i don't know i don't know maybe it's because it's superman and they think more highly of the character and whereas they don't care about supergirl as much so they don't come in expecting maybe something i don't know who knows i definitely don't know <laughs> but i know for me <laughs> that uh superman 4 is a fucking blast <laughs> <laughs> like i don't there's a fight where they they're 
punching each other around the world <laughs> and then they punch each other onto the moon and then they're fighting on the moon and then they punch each other back onto the earth like just just in a fantasy comic book level like it doesn't get any more cooler than that like yeah. that's like pure fucking superman comic like crazy yeah that, that stuff that actually reminds me of one of the animated superman movies that well, i was reviewing back there when you, go. you were going through the yeah. superman movies because there's one where they they break the moon <laughs> <laughs> there's like some it was oh, like you said man. like they get punched to the moon and like yeah. literally to the moon and it's like at some point it just looks up the moon's all very like they broke the moon just all sad like <laughs> like like oh <laughs> See, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. These are the the, the conundrums of B movies, you know. People, I find it that what people will take in a low budget movie it varies wildly, right? And, um, and you know, you know, I'm always trying to understand it. I I can see that there's a like an anime with like dubbing, like the English dubs of things. Yeah. Like there's, there's some people out there who will be like, yeah, the, the dub is so bad. It's good. Like in that same. Yeah. Movie, yeah. Uh, quality. And it's like, I get that for maybe like five minutes and then I'm like, okay, get rid of this. I need, I need to, like, you need to just get rid of that. <laughs> Take it away now. I've, I've, I laughed at it a few yeah. times and now I'm done. I, but, I definitely agree with that. Like I can't watch stuff dubbed. Yeah, um, um, but there, w- <laughs> there was an anime that I watched dubbed, and I don't remember what it was, but they the the dubbing has all this like unnecessary <laughs> profanity, <laughs> like thrown into like almost every line. The guy is just like blasting out profanity, and it it's so hilarious. Yeah, they they would kind of do that in the '90s sometimes. Oh my of god, just trying to get the rating up so that it'd be like, look, we're like. We got an R rating or whatever the equivalent was. For whatever. whatever that movie was. I think it was one that you reviewed. And I watched, I, the only one I could get was dubbed and it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and so for that, because they made it so like over the top, I don't remember what it was, but I remember just loving it. I think I made sound bites from it too. Cause oh, wow. Because like, it was so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> now she will die. Like, fuck, she will. Like, just, it's like almost like a non English speaker wrote the English dialogue and where it just oh, doesn't man. make any sense, you know? <laughs> it's like, how, how would you construct that? Like, how would you even think about that? I got better things to do than saving the world's asshole. That's like how Troll, Troll 2 is an Italian director and he wrote the script in english and he doesn't oh. understand english but he wouldn't let okay. the actors speak naturally he made them read exactly what was on the page <laughs> <laughs> so oh geez anyway we're rambling a bit here yep um anything else about <laughs> hellraiser or any other tangent you uh, want to go down or <laughs> i think i think we've covered it from more angles than it had. Um, yeah, yeah. From every side of the puzzle box. Yeah. We've uh, yeah, looked at. Uh, someday somebody will examine the Silver Emulsion <laughs> podcast and, and come to a conclusion that opens the gates to hell. Yeah, well, I would Yeah, I would like to think that at some level someone is out there <laughs> trying to use uh, the website to yeah, a, a, some, some kind of nefarious uh hellish <laughs> uh, extent i don't know yeah so uh until next time well, signing off <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Adios. <laughs> and cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs>